Being the Worst, Episode 30, recorded Monday, June 3rd, 2013. From beingtheworst.com, it's the Being the Worst podcast, audio apprenticeships for the aspiring software craftsman, with your hosts, Carrie Street and Renat Abdulid. In this episode, Renat returns home from his trip to the United States, which was filled with milestones, memories, and marriage. The guys briefly catch up on some of the insights that were gained from looking over the fence at the Java ecosystem and how it has made more progress than .NET in specific areas. They wrap up with an intro to the DDD Summit and how things learned there and along the way will shape the upcoming episodes and code. And now, here are Carrie and Renat. Renat, it is June 3rd, 2013. It's been a while since we recorded anything because you probably have one of the busiest to-do lists I've ever seen. And uh, you just did a few things in the last month. The things that I'm aware of are things like, oh, fly from Russia to the United States and meet Carrie in person for the first time. Maybe hop over to Hawaii and get married real quick. Uh, have your 30th birthday somewhere in between there, which is episode 30, this one. So, hey, cool, man. It lines up really nicely there. Then you went off to this DDD Summit thing that I don't know too much about that I'm hoping we're going to get into. And I think you fit in like speaking at a user group about your design mistakes in Philadelphia. So you may have seen more of my country than I have uh, in the last 30 days. And you also did major life events along the way. So what are you doing, man? <laughs> well, uh, currently just uh, trying to get arrested and get things back in line. Well, uh, the journey was uh, absolutely outstanding one and really packed with events. Well, starting, of course, of uh, getting married with the most beautiful and loved woman in the world and Hawaii. Like, it was like a beautiful experience. Well, congratulations and, again. I know I've said it before, but officially, now that you're married, congratulations now that you have a wife. And I got to meet her as well. And I agree. It was great to meet her. She's awesome. Yes, she's gorgeous, absolutely. Yes. Uh, and so uh, during the process, like I wasn't doing almost any uh, C-sharp coding. I was creating uh, a lot about Scala, Akka. Uh, I actually met uh, Chris Patterson. I don't even remember which city was it in. Uh, <laughs> like he's the guy who wrote the only sensible uh, actor implementation in C-sharp called Stacked. He's also author, uh, author or one of the contributors to Mass Transit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Magnum Library. And mass transit being uh, open source version of uh, NCRS bus. Well, it's like kind of uh, sibling to NCRS bus. Yes, I, I saw that you had a chance to meet with uh, Chris Patterson, I think in San Francisco or around there in the Northern California somewhere. And I was happy to see that because I reached out to him to see if he'd be willing to come on the show if we decided to get into the actor stuff. And he was totally open to that, which was cool. And then next thing I know, you're tweeting out that like, hey, I'm hanging out with Chris. We're talking about uh, actors, big data and functional programming. So that worked out really well. <laughs> yeah, it did. Absolutely. So basically, one of the things I've learned from Chris and uh, like that's kind of complement uh, stuff I learned about Kala, Java, actually, and Akka is that implementing actor library, like proper actor library, is really hard. Mm-hmm. And before this travel, I had this idea of maybe, hey, I was able to implement like a really small uh, messaging library for Windows Azure, uh, and maybe I could Im- actually implement uh, the entire actor framework on C Sharp as well from the very scratch. Mm-hmm. And actually, like after spending time to look inside the what Akka is doing and how this stuff is implemented, and uh, talking with Chris Patterson, like we both agree that doing it is extremely hard, and getting actors right 
would take an enormous amount of effort and time. Mm -hmm. uh, well, and for example, Erlang is a language like which is uh, basically built on actors, and it took like lots of lots of people uh, just to get it uh, started, like to get it running. Mm -hmm. And this also kind of led to an additional train of thought that actually, like while being locked in .NET world uh, for my entire development career, and I didn't know what actually is the perspective of the world outside, and Diving into the Java world, which is actually from .NET perspective, is uh, being told as something old, outdated, and horrible, was actually a refreshing experience, hmm. especially given the Scala language. So Scala language is one of the quite rapidly developing language that is built on top of Java virtual machine. So if you code something in Scala, it compiles into uh, Java bytecode, mm -hmm. and it can run whenever uh, Java is running. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, feature-wise and syntax-wise, uh, Scala in some areas, is uh, almost as expressive as C-sharp. And in some areas, it's even more expressive than C-sharp. Hmm. Uh, for example, uh, this DSL syntax that we have in look at CQRS projects, like well, we're using external DSL tool, mm -hmm. uh, Scala has this message-based semantics baked right into that. Oh, nice. And also Scala comes like with kind of sister project, uh, well, two sister projects, actually. One sister project called Akka, which is an uh, actor library uh, for Scala and for Java, mm -hmm. which is like designed to be used from Scala, actually. And the other one being Play Framework, which is a web site framework for Akka and Scala as well. Yeah. And these languages are extremely expressive and really nice. And actually, uh, as a, after I started like digging into all that stuff, I discovered that there is even uh, even already even sourcing implementation, even storm implementation for Akka, or I think it's like, uh, yeah, it's written in Scala and it's for Akka. It, it adds like event storages, it adds uh, message delivery guarantees, it adds specific ordering stuff, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. Because by default, Akka, for example, doesn't provide any message delivery guarantees between actors in the default configuration. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, like when I started uh, looking deeper into the Akka, like the stuff that they have there, it's absolutely missing from .NET. For example, uh, well, and in Java general, they are building a cluster and like node cluster support into Akka. And uh, like there are also other projects in Java that kind of allow you to build clusters of system, clusters of nodes, which kind of self-repair and uh, self-figure out who is the master. Mm, okay. But imagine, uh, imagine you're building, for example, a backend for a hugely scalable mobile services platform, mm -hmm. uh, where, you, like, some, for example, something like Tumblr has done, mm -hmm. or uh, other companies, and you need to make sure that you can first scale your system horizontally by adding new nodes, mm -hmm. and if in your system there are certain elements that where like one element must be the master, for example, ID generator or some uh, coordinator service. And if this master goes down, that another node will take actually its responsibility. Mm -hmm. And if the cluster is split into, for example, into like one third is goes down, then the other nodes will actually rebalance. Mm -hmm. So in C Sharp and actually in .NET, we have been trying to implement this code like in Locate Secures in various environments. And sometimes we're failing. Event Store project, uh, which, was, uh, driven, which is driven by Greg Young, actually implements master-slave support Mm -hmm. uh, however, like only the like single node is actually open source, and must master slave support 
uh, ability to elect uh, master nodes and ability to kind of have uh, this Paxos uh, negotiation protocol. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in closed source because it's something like that's that has a lot of value for the company and they decided not to make it public. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you look at the, into the Java space, even for the ACA project, there is already effort pushed to have this uh, open source foundation for building master-slave uh, configurations. Hmm. ACA doesn't have that either? Yeah, well, uh, there is like, uh, ACA will have that in future versions. I see. In C-sharp, there is actually no code that uh, would allow you, with, that would simplify your life in building like kind of cluster services or even services like that reside in the cloud and they, that kind of can do failover. I see. You have to build everything from the scratch. Hmm. And uh, after starting to look at all the capabilities that are available, in Scala and Java, I kind of came to the realization that if I ever have to do a really complicated master-slave project, like that would require like really complicated clusters. Uh, something that uh, I was dreaming that C-sharp would be used for. I would probably try to use Scala and Java. Mm-hmm. And as for the C-sharp counterpart, for the .NET counterpart, uh, there is no point to try to reach uh, to add like full functionality of kind of actor-based framework for of cluster-based uh, cluster-supporting uh, frameworks into C# Sharp because that would re- it would require too much effort and time, mm-hmm. which is basically to make any other uh, project impossible. And it would be better just to try to shape like I say QRS and with frameworks below uh, getting things done project in a slight way that it wouldn't be completely actors. But it might resemble something that can be used in actor framework. And if there is a need, we can actually migrate the code from uh, C sharp to Scala without like much, uh, much redesigns. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, basically, I think, yeah, uh, in Philadelphia, I was uh, meeting Slava, uh, who was uh, one of the actual contributors uh, to Lookout Secures, and uh, his company is using Lookout Secures heavily. And uh, a few design suggestions. Uh, that we discussed are actually quite simple and they might uh, be helpful for getting things done project. And actually, speaking of the getting things done project, so uh, after looking at ACA, after looking actually at uh, Scala code and what we have in C-sharp code, I think it's already quite overcomplicated. Mm-hmm. So uh, getting things done code base and actually the Locat Secure sample code base with our registrations and users, mm-hmm. it's uh, too complicated for, uh, basically I, it was over-designed. Okay. So I think uh, it should be possible to simplify the code and still have uh, the same uh, capabilities that are offered, for example, by the cloud computing environment, like which is promise of almost infinite scalability of all this messaging failover, et cetera, et cetera. And what, based on your, your current understanding, what are the, some of the attributes that make it seem over-designed and how might we think about changing that? Basically, it's along the lines uh, of, the previ- of the discussions within the previous episode where we're talking, for example, about the receptors, how they are receptors or ports, how they are artificial contract in Locat Secure S. Mm-hmm. Because it was like it was designed to cover some of the kind of design flaw or dis- uh, missing design piece mm-hmm. coming from the conventions and practices available within the CQRS community. So it's not so much about the aggregates and domain-driven design and stuff that's over-designed. It's it's those fillers you needed to add into it to make them communicate with each other with those receptors and ports, and that that's where it kind of gets a little hard to understand what's going on. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, aggregates per se as something that 
kind of provides the scope for the transaction and joins multiple behaviors together, they're relatively well-developed concept Mm -hmm. and they're good. And that's fortunately something that we've invested a a lot of time in. Oh, that's where we invested most of our time in. Yeah, I was going to say that just that alone with, with the aggregates being sort of that boundary for, you know, state and everything like that and, and how it's currently designed. That part seems pretty clear and, and not bad to me. It's, it was the stuff you just said that was sort of getting a little confusing. So. Yes, absolutely. So the receptors, receptors and ports, the, uh, we will kind of need to rethink them a little bit. As I'm actually talking about rethinking receptors and ports in getting things done project. Well, and being the worst podcast, uh, that's actually like a kind of tip of the iceberg because I'm trying to do the same in uh, look at internal projects as well to make sure that the code base is more simple and more intuitive. Is that some of the feedback? Is that where um, Slav's feedback was focused on was the receptors and ports and stuff like that? Actually, no. Uh, Slav's feedback uh, was mostly about projections, uh, performance of look at Securus mm-hmm. because he, is, he tends to feed, for example, occasionally hundreds of thousands of messages into the queue. I see. Well, that's a specific of his project. Mm-hmm. And so basically, uh, Slav's concerns were mostly about the performance. Okay. And certain performance things we can actually improve in Locat Securus without like much of uh, shuffling around. And this would actually kind of extend the uh, applicability of Locat Securus like to small and uh, kind of medium-sized projects as well. I see. So when we get into the upcoming episodes about uh, to continue where we left off, you know, looking into different approaches to simplify and the the bottom line there is we're not going to go all in on the actor framework for the reasons you just stated. And we think we can simplify some stuff, help with this receptor port stuff, maybe uh, look into this uh, performance stuff Slav was talking about and simplify the code base. So maybe the GTD example evolves to make more sense to more people and becomes a more complete sample where we can start maybe putting clients on it and, and all that stuff, but not going crazy and trying to implement a full actor framework in C-sharp, which isn't currently easily possible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also one of the subsequent things that we can do with getting things done is actually start adding these registrations and users security things to the mix, how they're linking them together, not with the receptors, but in the trying to do something that is more intuitive than that doesn't add a lot of clutter. Uh, And actually, like one of the other small things that I'm not sure if we discussed it, it's about chasing projections. Hmm. What what does that refresh my memory? I remember that. Okay. uh, So basically, uh, currently in Locket Securus and in all other projects that we've been talking about, the projection is something that subscribes to events and like handles events one by one. Right. And this actually creates uh, two large, two significant limitations. Uh, limitation number one being is that we can fetch event only one by one. We process events only one by one. Yeah, we did talk uh, about we, that a little bit. Yeah, so this actually creates a huge overhead when we're talking about hundreds of thousands of events. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like when the projection becomes too chatty, it doesn't allow any batching. And it basically, it will just slow down because of input operations. Mm-hmm. And second, it's uh, because of this design, actually replay logic like uh, we need to replay the projection for example we need to replay all events for the projection uh, when we add a new projection or when we change the projection logic right because our projection is just a code that kind of pre-computes query result it pre-computes cache Mm -hmm. and then keeps it updated uh, with the latest events uh, as new events come in right so if if we define like that now we'll start new kind of start caching new kind of data 
pre-computing and caching it uh, aggressively. Uh, this would mean that if this is completely totally new cache type, then we would first need to replay all events for the history and then uh, start subscribing to new events. Mm-hmm. And currently, the logic in Locat Secures is relatively complicated. We have this kind of smart reflection, reflection logic that when server starts up, it kind of scans, it uh, does reverse engineering of its own code to detect if projection code has changed. Mm-hmm. And if projection code has changed, then for these projections that have changed or that were added, it will actually replay only these projections. Right. And third limitation is that uh, we can store uh, data only in key value storages, Mm. uh, which makes it complicated for dealing with lists, for example, or indexes, because you have to keep other entire uh, list in in one key, or you need to start adding partitioning. And if if you have hundreds of thousands or uh, millions of records in your list or index, then it becomes really complicated. Uh, so one of the uh, actual simplifications that would reduce uh, reduce amount of the code and actually simplify the projection code is that instead of making projections subscribe to the events from some, some external source, we would actually pass reference to the event store into the projection. So in the, inside the projection, the code will look like get latest 10,000 events from the event store. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, no. Uh, first, load the checkpoint from some storage well, where checkpoint being like just position on the event store, like where, how much we have read. Well, is that like a snapshot kind of an idea? Uh, it's not snapshot. Basically, it's a pointer to the latest event that we've seen. Oh, okay. ID of the last last event that we've seen. Okay. So if this is a new projection and we load uh, like, so let's say the projection is um, customer, like uh, big enterprise dashboard. So when this projection starts, it will try to load version ID from file large enterprise dashboard. And since the file doesn't exist, it will assume that it's at zero. So, and then it will start pulling the event storage for give me like uh, next 10,000 events. It will process this 10,000 events. And then at the and processing means that it would probably aggregate them and save the results into some storage. It can be key value storage or it can be some database. Okay. Then after it had finished processing this 10,000 events, it will just update this checkpoint file with saying, okay, I'm at 10,000 events. And then it will re- repeat the process over and over again until it reaches the end of the event storage. Mm-hmm. And then it will just keep on getting like the tail of the new events if they come in and just uh, using them to update the uh, storage implementation, like storage data. I see. So basically, it's just a slightly different change to the logic. So instead of letting infrastructure pass events to us and kind of being decoupled from the infrastructure. In the projection logic, we accept that we're dealing with messages that flow as events in the event streams, and we explicitly manage these events. This is somewhat similar to the uh, trick that we tried to do with actors, Mm -hmm. uh, where we said that, okay, let's stop pretending that we live in the world without messages and uh, where we let messages to be passed to us by the infrastructure, and we would somehow magically pass the uh, messages outside. Mm-hmm. With actors, we say that we accept that we live in the message-based world and we start sending messages directly from the actor. Right. So it's the uh, same kind of simplification. And based on a somewhat limited experience at LOCAD with big data, uh, like 50, 70 gigabytes of uh, large data sets that were used with event-sourced approach, uh, this kind of uh, approach to writing projection 
not only it's much simpler and easier for the developers to write, but it also uh, is capable of dealing with large data sets. So, for example, if you have a huge stream of events coming from, for example, some uh, online messaging system, like something like Twitter, Mm-hmm. It would be much easier to write a projection that would, would, for example, aggregate and display stats for like what is uh, the most frequent type of message that is being sent around or what is uh, the most active uh, message sending person. <laughs> and these projections would inherently be more scalable and fast performing. That's well, that, good because I, I can think of several things in my life that uh, that might be applicable to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So it's really about, um, especially on the messaging front, embracing that that's sort of we're getting the near-term actor model influence, simplify some things, maybe help on performance, and use that approach for now, which is something we can actually achieve in the next few months instead of spending the next uh, 18 months uh, implementing a fully complete actor model just so that we can do an experiment to see if the full actor model is what we actually wanted in GTD. That's just not a practical thing to do with our current language and .NET framework. So that's the approach we're going to take for now. Yeah, absolutely. And also uh, one of the side things is just to try to structure look at SecureOS in such a way that maybe it will not have full actor model uh, behind it, but it will force you to write the code as if you were kind of targeting actor model. Then this inherently make it first possible to actually peek at ACCA and all the actor-based uh, reference manuals uh, that teach you how to design system and apply it in the C-sharp world. And second, if you need to someday port this code uh, to a full actor-based framework, whether it's in Scala, other uh, language, or some true.NET implementation of actors, then it will be much more straightforward. Yeah, because we're already starting to embrace some of those core principles that those approaches embrace, so it's not such a leap to get there. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I can't let you, I know that we were going to try to keep this episode relatively short so that I could edit it quickly and get it out there because it's been a while since we published one, but I can't let you escape without at least digging into some hints about the DDD Summit and some highlights from there and what we may get into in future episodes just so that uh, we can share a lot of that great learning with the listeners. And before we get into that, if you could sort of just tell me, what is the DDD Summit? Like, who created that? What are you guys talking about when you're sending that hashtag around? What's going on there? Okay, so uh, DDD uh, Summit is a small invite-based event by Eric Evans, who I think he started doing that three years ago, or maybe four years ago. He invites a few folks uh, to come to Portland, uh, Maine, and actually spend three, five days uh, doing purely discussing the design, purely discussing uh, the design concepts, and how actually uh, to apply, uh, like, what is the experience of applying DDD to production systems? And there are like some really smart folks coming there. Uh, I don't remember exactly, remember the names, but once Udi Dahan and Greg Young were there, Martin Fowler comes uh, there, Cameron Party was there, and by some sheer accident uh, and some probably typing mistake, I was invited there as well. <laughs> nice. Okay, and so uh, basically within this year, uh, the focus was uh, of the summit was actually to kind of clarify and distill understanding of DDD, how it changed within uh, like the years past since Eric Evans published his book, and how to make it more applicable to people, and actually like more applicable and less confusing because actually the original DDD uh, book is really really confusing. <laughs> you need to like read it uh, in different order to be make it and sense or uh, the actual original DDD book kind of m- merges and melts together actual strategic level 
guidance, like kind of strategic design, and actually uh, patterns, tactical implementation patterns of DDD in Java. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't actually tell that these are just some of the patterns and that actually there are many more patterns uh, that are available there that uh, work maybe even better in DDD, something like the main events, event sourcing, and actors. And actually, some of the stuff that we're talking about is uh, actual application of domain events to deal with big data problems based on local experience or how actually actors fit into this DDD and aggregates and entities world or how we would deal with workflows versus this ideal saga approach in real world applications or how do you deal with user uh, interfaces and user uh, interfaces actually part of domain model or are they something separate? I see. And uh, my suggestion would be to interleave uh, our future discussions about uh, the getting things done uh, evolution and look at security evolution with actually short summaries of the discussions and conclusions that were presented during DDD Summit. Oh, I think that'd be great. And when appropriate, I, I know you tweeted out that some people there uh, agreed to come on and talk about some of that stuff. So when the topics come up, if they're still willing, that would be great to have little mini detours into those topics and give the listeners and, and me some insight into what you guys are talking about and what you're learning there. I think I'm not aware of any other place where you can hear that information. So let's do it. Absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, I think we'll wrap it up now because we're getting around the 20 minutes we were shooting for. Um, I wanted to make sure that we laid out what we're talking about. So I think if you're listening now and wondering like, wow, there's a lot going on here. What are we, what are we doing? I was doing my sample code. I was waiting to get my next GTD, uh, episode so that I could keep evolving the code and practicing. And I think you just heard that's still what we intend to do. We are uh, going to evolve that solution just like we planned in the past. It's just not exactly how we thought the spike was going to go. We have the results of the initial learning, and uh, we just laid out here where we think we're going to go with it. So I I think, Renat, in the upcoming episodes, uh, fairly soon, we'll start seeing uh, the GitHub repo for our project start changing a little bit based on uh, the thoughts you laid out today. And uh, when appropriate, we'll sprinkle in a little bit of DDD Summit goodness and uh, other learning topics just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Yep. Well, in essence, we'll just continue staying being the worst, making a lot of stupid mistakes and trying to learn uh, from these mistakes and from people which are much smarter than us. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Well, until next time, we are at beingtheworst.com, at beingtheworst on Twitter. I'm at KC Street, and Renat is at Abdulin. Renat, when you get a chance, there's a lot of stuff all over the website with comments and questions, and I understood some of it, but not all of it. I don't know when you're going to have a chance to read all that, but there was some good dialogue. I just want to thank the several people on episode 29 that were really just took it in their own hands and I basically said, hey, Renat's uh, you know, got a lot going on traveling around right now. Go for it. And uh, the listeners were having good conversations and sharing links with each other. So that's exactly the kind of uh, conversations and communication we were hoping we, we could get going over there. So really appreciate you guys for jumping in and start doing that. So keep it up and we will try to uh, jump in there as well I'll try to catch up with this uh, episodes and once again thanks for listening and talk to you guys soon bye take it easy bye